can. Oh yeah, we're live. That's funny as fuck. <laughs> I was totally no. lost, Ty. We're yeah, professional. Didn't I just sign like on? Didn't I just log on and it was like five past eight? <laughs> I know. Well, right? we'll let a few people. We'll let a few people join us. Did we put up a? Did we put up a message saying that we were going to be on tonight, or is this going to be a very low key event? Um, no, I put up a message. Surprise! Okay. Hey, I it, uh, we got we got one person. Hey, got Matt's one person name. watching. <laughs> ah, who else? Yeah, who, who else? else? But old bald, yeah. bald um, guard. <laughs> well, there you go. Now we've lost our only listener. We can <laughs> fucking <laughs> go from there. Hey, hey Jamie, how are you, man? Here. How you going, Sosso? <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. Oh, Matt, Matt's back on. Doug, good day, Doug. Good to see you. Mighty Looks like the regular crews here. We got the uh, people joining in. <laughs> What's the? Oh yeah. my God, a Julie! Come on. <laughs> we started off strong. <laughs> Hi, all from the Cobram yes. Cobram Pub. Where's Cobram Pub? In Cobram. Uh, oh, I thought it might have been in Dunilquid. Where's that? Sounds like a better place to be than Picton at the moment. We're in lockdown, of course. Best restaurant. There we go. Cobram Motel. Maps. Riverina. Riverina. There you go. Ah, Cobram, you Julie, you and I are smart people. <laughs> that looks like a nice place to be at the moment. Miles so we were, from here. we were just all engaged in our own little... Uh, YouTubing and Instagramming and stuff, and talking about highlights of that those those media outlets. And then it's kind of oh, like shit, a social. It was a we're supposed to be was, on. <laughs> if you can imagine a social media circle circle jerk, except we're playing with our phones, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, that's gone yeah. downhill fast, isn't it? You yeah. Have your All phone right. On vibrate for that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Mark. How are you, mate? Good to see you, Sinclair. Sinclair Stabilised Timber there. Shout out for you. Oh, day, Mark. How are you? Best shit. The Mecca he makes knives too every now and then. He does make beautiful knives. They are absolutely beautiful. Uh, downhill very fast. Yeah, sorry. I, I went there. We, we were just, yeah. Maybe we were already easy. downhill on that one. We were looking at some uh, classy content about oh, some... Yeah. Hand-forged Japanese knives that are sharpened on special rare Japanese stones that are so sharp that they can cut through tomatoes. Yeah, it's I very saw special. It on, I saw it on YouTube. Ads, from so Alibaba, right? Oh yeah. No, 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 no. They're charging thirty bucks, and it comes with a sheath, but a proper leather sheath, handmade. Ooh. You should see it. It's a fucking shocker. Oh, but yeah. yeah, that's that's what that's what the market Marketing. out there wants. <laughs> So marketing that's what it is. <laughs> it's what it is. That's what so, that's what you can do if you use slave labor, right? If you use slave exactly. labor, well, that's what you can do. Just do yeah. it. I use my kids to do stuff like that, but anyway, that's all right. Uh, Same thing, really. So what's happening out there? We're in lockdown in Sydney. Uh, we're going to do a welcome and just be like heaps professional about this, or are we just going to sit here and rock through it? Well, welcome to another. Riveting episode of Knife Making Down Under podcast, podcast. 
you've got with you me, Kev from Kev's Forge, Corin from Gamaco Artisan Supplies, and Mert from Tansu Knives with you this evening. The uh, happy trio. Yeah, I'm stoked. Sometimes are. <laughs> Oh, so, <laughs> it's struggling. A, it's a piece of shit, really. Yeah. So uh, you're all right where you are, Kev. For the benefit of the audience, you're you're just you're not in lockdown. No, we're not in lockdown. We're just dealing with everyone else being in lockdown at the moment. Um, so yeah, bit bit tough again on the old business when. You're signing up classes for people and they just can't get here. They're keen as shit and I just keep leapfrogging dates. Makes it look like I've got a successful calendar, but no one's actually coming and paying me yet. But uh, no, other than that, I've actually got a couple of locals here. Uh, had today and I've got tomorrow. And really kind of cool for me because it's one of my old high school teachers that was um, a fairly new teacher that came to our school, high school. Um, which was a it had a reputation of being a, a pretty sort of rough high school to be at, um, but he was a good good fella and a good mentor, and um, we kept we kept in touch uh, all through, or we're good friends all through school. Kept in touch all after school. He, him and his uh, mate signed up, and they're doing a class with me today. So the tides are turned. Yeah, and, uh, yeah Ro came in and asked. Asked him for an assessment on how my teaching was, and he said I was going really well. And she said, "Have you taken uh, time to have a little bit of retribution for four years of dealing with Kev through high school?" And he goes, "Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Oh well, there's always tomorrow." So I'm yeah. good. Yeah, could expect it to be a fair asshole tomorrow, <laughs> and it would only be fair payback, really. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that that's good. Uh, it's actually good. The funny thing is, because I usually run the classes on the weekend, my mind is automatically telling me that it's Saturday night now because I had the class today. So even though I responded to you at whatever it was, three o'clock, saying, yep, all good for the podcast, it was only about 20 to 7 that I've gone, oh, shit, it's Thursday. I've got to do the podcast. Yep. <laughs> so, you know. It could be worse. And I'm not teaching on the weekend, which is good. So it's going to be a strange few days of thinking it's Monday, but it'll be Saturday and all the rest. And it doesn't help that my wife has just gone on um, six months long service leave. So I now have her home with me and I don't have that trigger of, oh, wife is getting up and getting ready. It must be a weekday. She's off to work. And my son's still on uni holidays, so between the three of us, we're pretty hopeless. We're all sort of looking at each other going, what day is it today? <laughs> it's a strange old world to be in, I tell you, around here. <laughs> I'm still in my Minecraft pyjamas, mate. Look, <laughs> Creepers, TNT. Fucking You've been in them all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a cracker. So... um I'm determined not to bitch about being in, in lockdown. It's not fun, but our friends down in Victoria, um, we're going to do it better. And um, to do it better, we're going to bitch less. So that's my my take on it. Um, so I, I'm just going to just chill and relax and enjoy it. And, and actually, I wish I could have a drink because that's how I got through it last time. And it's fucking hard. So I'm solving the fucking Rubik's Cube. Man. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Fuck. 
you know what, anyway. one thing that i don't get it is when when the fucking COVID what at, at its at its highest degree masks were, weren't mandatory now you cannot go to fucking shopping center to take a leak without putting your fucking mask on if there was that was back uh, the, when there yeah, was the a other world... day i almost uh, yeah yeah go for yeah. it it sucks it does. Yeah, and I, I was just reading Mark's comment there about workshop rearranging today. Seems to be a never-ending evolution. Uh, I can absolutely agree with you that I made, even though I've just finished doing a workshop rebuild. I'm already looking at things that I might change. <laughs> I've like I've had a I've done a bit myself. Oh. I've put in a I I put in a um I put in a uh, um a three story uh, three story kayak rack. To get my kayaks um, up off the ground, so yeah, I I did did that, but um, yeah, not much in the knife making front. Been working on these PID control forges. Mert, where are you at? Well, what I've been up to, mate. Nothing different. Nothing changed. Um, first of all, with the coming news of the Sydney Night Show being postponed, I had to I had to stop what I was doing. Because for those who don't know, when you prepare for the show, you can't just like keep finishing knives and sell them. You gotta keep them. You gotta you gotta start building a stock. Mm -hmm. And I was building stock for the Sydney Knife Show, and I had the news, and all of a sudden, I I, I stopped. And I'm thinking like, I got eight knives in works. I'm gonna have to stop on them. Either way, stop not work on them at all, or finish them and keep selling it. And I'm gonna have to start the show prep from scratch which was kind of strangely was relieved i was relieved that <clears throat> show was postponed because i had some stuff that i want to get done and i realized i wasn't going to be able to do it but on the other side i was really looking forward to for this weekend in august because with the sydney good food show being cancelled and i was really looking forward to fucking sydney show and being cancelled meaning like doing the same thing that we've been doing for the last, I don't know, one and a half year, just being at home, doing the same thing. It was a, it was a blow. It was a blow to the God. Yeah. yeah well, Other than that, I, might... uh, I built. Sorry, man. Yeah, um, Go ahead, mate. I might, I might not be able to make it to the rescheduled date, which is kind of disappointing, yeah, you but you said that. But got to do He's... what you got to do. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. What do you What do you done in your workshop, Mark? Chuck a comment up. Let us know what you rearranged. You got to. You last I saw, you were still bloody working out of your entertaining area, like what I used to do. Um, Andrew Smith says he's gutted about Sydney. Corey Cunningham wants to talk about the digital fork and forge controllers. I'll talk about that. There's a lot of differences between a forge controller and a kiln. Um, I we can talk about that now or later. Uh, Jamie says he's done a full cleanup of his shed and found uh, mud from the February 2020 flood that he hasn't sorted. That's good. <laughs> wow. Haven't booked a table for Sydney's show due to COVID bullshit. Well, it had sold out, so you hadn't booked because it had sold out as well, so we'll just say yeah. that. But but here we are. It is what it is. Um, Adelaide shows the next on the list and hopefully – we can all go down there and spread some COVID. I mean, um, and have spread a great time. Spread yeah. the love. 
Drink, share oh, whiskey, share whiskey, and drink it from the same bottle. So this all happened after I was in New Zealand. So the last yeah, podcast and all that. Yeah. The last. Yeah. <laughs> shoes. I got a pair of gum boots. I got a pair of gum boots, man. Oh, it's fucking you mad. Didn't... Oh fuck not yeah, those, fuck yeah. Not those ones yeah. from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. So everyone, we have to blame Corin for the current situation in Australia. <laughs> I'm not going to wear oh. them in the mud because that would be sacrilege for such a lot awesome. of gum boots. Anyway, I had to get them because the fucking trade show we were at was knee deep in mud, and I figured out why everyone was wearing gum boots pretty quick. Um. Dates for Adelaide. It'll be the first or second weekend in November. Just check Knife Art Association website. It'll be there. Um, yeah, so uh, getting back was shit from um, from fucking New Zealand because they cancelled my flight. So the day after I spoke to you guys, they cancelled yeah. my flight and oh. I couldn't reschedule and I had a bit of a drama, but it was all worked out. I just had to fly through Melbourne, which in, for a change wasn't COVID central. And then I flew into Sydney into lockdown, so... Um, I ended up getting home very late, um, very late on the on the Monday night. But I had a great time. The hammer in at Scott Gregan's place. I better give a bit of a rundown of what happened yeah, because yeah. it was freaking epic fun. We had um, it was only a small crowd, right? So we had um, Scotty Gregan, obviously, because it was his did house. You have so- did you have sucks of you there? Shout out to his. We had socks of us. Yeah, socks, socks of, of us. Socks. socks let's you. let's not get carried away. I am a, I, I am a Kiwi. I know. That. I know. <laughs> <laughs> My passports just there. So um, the um, so yeah, we went to Scotty Gregan's place. Big shout out to his, <coughs> to his parents for hosting the best food I have ever had at a hammering. Uh, on I'm, I'm sorry to say the bar has now been set very 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 high from, you know, roast dinners and gourmet oh. salmon. And um, I, I did go shooting for wallabies. I, I only shot a possum, so I'm sorry. I didn't get a wallaby. <laughs> wallabies. <laughs> but I did get a possum, um, mostly got. We won't talk about that. Anyway, so the next thing was we um, we went um, – so we did tong making with Andrew Condit. You guys oh, have yeah. seen Andrew make a pair of tongs. Yeah. What a machine. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've just hired Andrew in New Zealand, so I don't know if I'm not allowed to make that public yet, but I've got some documents now, so it's pretty much official. So Andrew will be Andrew will be working for us over in New Zealand. Um nice. made a beautiful, beautiful pair of tongs with him. Uh we had Glenn there. Uh Glenn's last name I can't remember. We had John Worthington. Yep. Yep, big John. Yep. And yeah, big John. And you visited Stackhouse, and the what? Oh yeah, we vi- I visited Shea Stackhouse. That was on the, the that was on the Friday on the way down, and then yeah, flew out. It was it was bloody good. I know I'm forgetting someone, and I oh Brett of course from everyone that was in the video last week was there, and it was really good, and Glenn as well. Now <clears throat> we um so we made a pair of tongs. We did some knife grinding. Uh, we looked at tapering tangs, did some stuff with tapering tangs, which was really fun. Um, was that with and, John? Yeah, it was Johnny's method there, which is yeah, his method's pretty you know, good. It's, it's pretty pretty sweet. And um, I don't know, we just did other stuff, went shooting and did stuff. It was just good. It was good, good hammering, good event, nice people, very, very good. 
Um, but I'm just going to say the food was the best. So anyone having a hammer in from here on in, um, you've got to try and beat beat that, even though you don't know what we had. Okay, so that's I, good. I just I just wanted to make uh, a little reference to what Stan was saying about did you get any wallabies, Goran? Yes. Um, I think everyone knows that the the wallabies are always slaughtered by the All Blacks when they go to New Zealand. So there's there's no living wallabies over there. Okay. Yes. Um, I've got it. This comment here I want to comment on. Can we just? Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Look at this one. Michael McCarthy, do you gents know where I could find out about making and selling knives legally? Michael, in every state of Australia, you can make and sell knives legally. There's absolutely no issue at all. Now, you should get your own legal advice, obviously. Unless, but, unless you're in prison. Oh, yeah. Well, just don't get caught. Yeah. Um, so so um, in every state of Australia, you can make knives legally. What you need to do, though, is make sure you don't make anything that's classed as a prohibited weapon in your state. And state legislation is, is different. Most state police websites will have some examples of what you can and can't do, what's not allowed normally. And then just don't do that. Uh, it's pretty simple. And mostly it's stuff like push daggers, butterfly knives, um, like uh, knuckle duster guards, um, just that sort of stuff. That If you want to make that sort of stuff, then... You can get a permit. In most states, you can get a permit. But some states, you can't make two-edged. So I'm not in one of those states. Like New Victoria, you can't make a double-edged knife. There's some exemption, I think, for the guild. It's easier to get a permit or something if you're a member of the guild. But anyway. Yeah. And as we say, in every forum, you've got to you seek know. your own legal advice or your own clarification yep. in your state or territory. Exactly. Jamie says that the paella at Waterfall Road was pretty choice. Year. Yeah. Going back to that one. Yeah. Remember, when, when Kevin Cashin came in, he was doing the dagger course. And in New South Wales, we could do a dagger. But in Canberra, when he did the course in Karim's place, he had to make the blade 14 inches. So it could classify, classify as a short sword or something. Yeah. Because he couldn't make uh, yes. a dagger there. Yeah, because yeah. you need to have a permit. So by making it 40, over fourteen inches long, you just you got around that, and that's the sort of shit you got to you got to figure out in your state. Uh, I could probably give you some specific links. I don't let people talk about it on the groups and stuff because it always turns no. into a shit fight. Fight of my mate's a cop and he said, and it's like yeah. it's just too much bullshit out there. You've got to learn yourself. You've got to research yourself. Read your laws. If you read the laws and you comply with the laws. There is no problem. You'll be and good. And that's as simple that's as it. that. Yep. So, um, and Adelaide Knife Show is the 6th and 7th of November, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and, yeah, the no, paella it's not, it's at... The week, it's the weekend after. Oh, okay. It's well, Andrew we don't... Smith posted up. It's the 13th and 14th. New okay, dates, new venue. New dates, new venue, because we couldn't get the right dates or whatever in the new venue. Yeah. But anyway, um, and, and that's if it goes at all. Let's just do yeah. our best. That paella at Waterfall Road Hammering was pretty choice, says Jamie. And that paella was pretty choice. Uh, I've got to say that was really, really good. But every single meal at Scotty's place was gourmet. I'm telling you, fucking gourmet. Yeah, awesome. who cooked it? Scotty's mum. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. All right. So um, here we go. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I can talk about forges. What do you guys want to? What do you guys? Where do you want to go with this tonight? 
go with the forge that uh, your your new tricky forge thing because we hinted at that a little while ago and we couldn't say anything. You know, let's talk about the fucking lockdowns. Let's talk about. The okay, I'll give you go, give, for nah, go, go for it. We want to give we want to give Mert his chance to get this off his chest. Get, get it off your chest, Mert, while you've still got charge. <laughs> no, why still I got? I don't have much delay going on. While I got yes. <laughs> a little bit of a fucking connection. Uh, look, I, I I haven't bitched about it, but I'm really fucking mentally done with this fucking lockdown bullshit. School holidays, man. Fucking school holidays. We were looking to do shit. Anyway, yeah, let's talk about forges. Fuck lockdowns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted an epic rant. <laughs> I reckon I reckon Douglas said it the best. He says, tell us about bitching less when you have been in lockdown for four months, which is in response to what I was saying before. And, and honestly... You know, the first few weeks is pretty cushy, pajama pants all day, that sort of shit. But it does it does take it out of you. And I total respect for what you guys went through. And I can only see it ending up as a shit fight up here because it's just fucking it's the people who run it. And that's it. We'll leave it there. Politicians. Politicians. Um. Okay. Talking about digital controllers on a forge versus a kiln. So let me let me join. I'll just go through the pros and cons of each. All right. All right. So a kiln touchscreen controller can ramp temperature up, can ramp temperature down. Future editions of the Forge might be able to do that, but the current one, I'm not going there. Um, you can ramp temperature up, ramp temperature down. Why would you want to do that? Because sometimes uh, you want to anneal a piece of steel, for example. Doing it in one of the Forge kits, you'd have to sit there and manually run the Forge down, which can be done. But um, it would take hours, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing um, is uh, that uh, electric kilns, big electric kilns take a lot of amps. Um, that's not really a problem as so long as you make sure you've got them. You've already probably got a gas forge. Gas forges, you've only got 200 mil really of effective even heating. So if you've got a single burner forge, that's better, isn't it? A single burner forge, you've really got 200 mil of effective heating unless you make a double burner forge. If you make a double burner forge, it's going to get it's going to get a bit expensive. The reason it gets expensive is because I do not control both burners with one unit. We've tried it, and the fluctuation in temperature is just unacceptable between the front and the back. You have to have there's too many variables. If you've got a door at the front, the door's a little bit open. The front's going to be cooler. The back's going to be hotter, and then you and then you start fucking around with valves and making it manual well, you may as well not have it so controlling them separately is the way to go and it works really well we did that mockume we did brass mockume which is apparently really hard um we had no trouble at all because the temperature control was within 10 degrees we didn't even have to look at it just chuck the piece in keep rotating it to keep it heating evenly and it went went really well um we just stayed under the melting point of the brass the Gas forges are an excellent atmosphere to heat treat in and to work in. So you can't, you don't make Damascus in an electric forge too much, uh, kiln, sorry, too much scale. Um, with a gas forge, you can get, you can set it for say 1175 or 1200 and make your Damascus to your heart's content. It'll sit there all day. Um, and the methods that I've 
when I worked with Sean McIntyre, that was really important to him because he's doing this fluxus welding and all the rest of it, which is all about making sure that um, he doesn't get those ghost lines in his Damascus, you know, the white lines that can appear in Damascus. Yes. He, get, he gets none of that without flux, perfect welds. Um, the controllers, so, yeah, so the controllers are pretty straightforward. What I'm using, though, on them is a very expensive solenoid. I'm not going with the cheapest solenoid out there because the solenoid's the heart of the unit and it's got to click on and off 100, 200,000 times plus. So we've gone with the uh, AGA-approved Goyan solenoid, which is a couple of hundred bucks in, in itself. Um, and the needle valves that we're using for the bypass, main flame and the rest of it are high-end stainless steel needle valves, which give you the control. You can't just set this thing up and walk away. You have to muck around with it a little bit and get learned learn to fly it. You can't just program in the temperature and the gas forge does its thing. You have to set it up so that it stays where it has to stay. And I'll give you an instruction video on how to do it. It's quite simple, but it does require monitoring. You could walk away for 20 minutes and you could probably be safe. We have an alarm built into the system so that it'll alarm if it deviates from temperature. Go for your life, Mert. Look, a couple of weeks ago, I was at Keith's place. And I was about to forge a piece of steel. And the one I want to forge was a wood steel. And I had to make sure my temperature wasn't going up 950. I ended up not using the steel because I didn't want to fuck up for the first time. But I asked Keith if he can set the forge on a certain temperature. So let's say you're using a certain steel, like you're using 50 to 100, that doesn't like to be overheated. Best thing about those forges is you set the temperature. Unlike the uncontrolled one, you know it's never going to go above. So Keith, Keith has been having a bit of trouble using it. So he's one of the reasons we've come up with a really easy way to set it, which was great. I'm glad I gave it to Keith because he's, um, no offense to Keith, but he is a bit of a Luddite. He know that. Um, yep. He knows that. And, and he's given me some really good feedback on the instructions. So we're just getting that, that sorted out. So it's easy to use. He's now super stoked and getting very good control, forging your woots, forging your stainless steels, um, heat treating stainless steels, It'll do all that in a heat treat, in a controlled environment. You really shouldn't even need foil, but I've not done a lot of testing on that. Um, you should certainly be able to get away with just a um, ATP 641 or the, the paint on stuff because the atmosphere in a forge is so much better than an electric kiln. Um, I guess you're limited mainly by, by size as well. The price goes up and up as they get longer, where an electric kiln, the price doesn't change a lot as they go up because you're only adding a little bit of extra element normally. Um, yeah, I, I, and um, they're a bit of a pain in the ass to make, but we're probably going to offer them as a kit to make them cheaper, so you save a couple of hundred bucks easily if we do that. Uh, everything on the forges I've made 12 volts, so that if you accidentally burn through a wire, it's not going to, because, you know, if you've got a bit of hot steel and you don't have to shield the cables, it doesn't matter that much. If you burn through a wire, it's 12 volt, it'll spark whatever um but that does mean we've got power supplies that supply it and that's added a bit to the price uh, five amp power supplies to run the solenoids um and then uh what else what else is that oh we had to put flame failure on there because of the requirements of australian standard 3814 we had to make it so that there was some sort of flame failure protection what that means is on an automatic system like that if you set it up wrong and you walk away and for some reason the flame goes out because you're not there, you're no longer in front of the forge, 
the gas turns off automatically. So that that added a bit to the price and adds a bit to the complexity, but it adds massively to the safety and it's a good thing to have. So uh, uh, it's no big issue. And if you're going to get your, as you should get your forge approved as the manufacturer of the appliance, um, should be pretty uh, pretty good to do. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty much easier to do anyway. The heat treating of uh, normal carbon steels, it's it really is really very, very good. I'm very impressed with them. Uh, you can't temper it. You can temper in an electric kiln, but you can't temper in a gas forge. That's never going to work. So you're going to need something else for tempering. Modified toaster oven. Uh, I've got a PID controlled toaster oven I use for most of my tempering. But if you if you can't get one the right size for your blades, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. What What else? Oh, it's great to be able to see the temperatures in your forge as well. It, oh, yeah. So instead of using a K-type thermocouple, which are relatively inexpensive, we went with the N-type thermocouple, which is much higher accuracy at the higher temperatures. Um, you'll see that the thermocouple coating on all the ones that go into production will be orange. They've got a really nice Inconel style. I'm not sure it's Inconel, so just have to check that. Uh, sheathing on it uh, that protects it from the flame, so it should last for years. Um, the alarm will go off if you go over 1250 Celsius. I don't know. We're, that's where we're at. Anything else? Uh, Dan Pedersen's asked what modifications are needed for an existing forge. Uh, you need to drill a hole, another two two holes for the two thermocouples. Um, everything else, if it's one of our burners and normal forge design, that's pretty much it. Two holes. If you probably if you've already got the temperature probe hole because you've already got a temperature probe, then that one you don't have to worry about. And the one on the other side, under the burner for the flame failure. And you may need to put some heat shielding around that one because when you're doing welding, forge welding and stuff, you can get um, uh, you can get a hot flame coming out of there. So you might need to put some shielding. But other than that, it's all pretty, um, pretty straightforward, actually. It's very straightforward. It's one fitting removed from the top, connect up the new system, and away you go. Easy. Yeah, righto. And so you were saying that before way. that you would... For a dual burner forge, you would need two of the systems running it. You don't, well, you don't. Yes, I, I'm going to say you do because otherwise you're wasting your fucking time. As far as I'm concerned, yep. so just a All waste right. of time. Yeah, get a get a thing. Um, Mark Sinclair's got his new Paragon Pro in. Honestly, the Pro's a great Paragon kiln. That's awesome. I love my Pro. Did you get any Wallabies? No, we've had this one. Where are we at now? What's we got? Sounds perfect for knife smith. Kiln might be better for stock removal maker. Um, Lee, yes and yes and no. Yeah. Um, the atmosphere control, if you're not making larger blades, um, the atmosphere control in a forge is pretty sweet. Myrtle will tell you, and Kev will tell you, when you're doing stainless steels uh, in an electric kiln, that's pre probably the biggest downside of them. Yeah, is is your is your atmosphere? So you've really got to be. And Kevin, I have firsthand experience of what can go wrong. <laughs> yeah, remember that? <laughs> stir, stir the shit out of that ATP six four one fucking mud shit. Stir it, stir <laughs> so anyway, it <laughs> we'll go there again. We, we um, will. <laughs> so the atmosphere control is pretty good. Uh, the kiln for tempering. If you're going to do kitchen knives and such, then you're going to probably want a kiln for tempering. But, uh, you know, it's horses for courses. I, I, I honestly, honestly, Corin, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't use kill for tempering. Like only time I'll use kill for tempering is if it doesn't fit in my in my toaster oven. And most of the time, if you're using a carbon steel, you want to temper right away anyway. Straight away. Straight away. Yep. Yeah. Agree. Uh, if it's stainless or if it's something that uh, high alloy, you're going to put liquid nitrogen. That's fine. But anything that you do with the simple steel that ha that's hormon on it, you got to see the hormon or you got to quench it. And it has to go right away to tempering. I, I don't get the idea of let me heat treat it and wait that it comes to temperature. Even worst case scenario, you go use the kitchen oven. Get yourself an mm. oven thermometer. That's the worst case, cheapest scenario. But I don't understand. Like if you go all the lengths to buy a kiln, just spend 100 bucks from Aldi, Aldi to get yourself a toaster oven. Put a little yeah. thermostat in it. Put a little oven thermometer in it. And that's it. You're set. Yeah. The PID, my toaster oven's within one degree. It looks like a piece of shit, but it's fucking... I'm shooting that PID. It's working really nice. So, and I, yeah, I agree. It's and other over-engineered shit that you have that you don't need. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I've always enjoyed making things to make knives, almost as much yeah. as making knives work. So yeah, probably more just, than making knives for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just gadgets yeah. and shit. I like it. It's good. Um, so kill might be a better option. It depends on what you're doing, Lee. And if you're doing a lot of carbon steel, then it, then I'd definitely. I'd definitely be considering a forge over over the kiln because mm. um, using any of your protection stuff on the carbon steels in a kiln can be a yeah. It's just it's just um, it's just the right thing to do. I think making hunters and things. If you're making a lot of hunters, then or off grid, then the gas forge is going to be miles better. And if you can't yep. get the power, the gas forge is going to be miles better. It'll run off a car battery. Um, I will say, Gordon. Yeah. If if you're working with a lot of different steels, if you're jumping from stainless to carbon, the stainless to carbon, a kiln might be better because you can set your temperatures. But let's say you're only working with carbon. That that in that case, those forges are no brainers. You don't have to like the advantage yeah. of kiln is you, you press the button, you set your like you type in the parameters and your ramping time and shit. That's fine. But let's say you only work 1080 or you only make Damascus. That kill, killing is overkill. Yeah, yeah. So they 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 exactly right. And and you've got to protect your work so carefully. It, you've mm -hmm. even got to use ATP six four one or foil. If you're doing carbon <clears throat> carbon steel, foil's a real issue. You can't get the foil off um, in time for a good quench. Particularly, you know, when you're working with with uh, steels that require a faster quench, like you know, W two or ten ninety five or anything. Forget it. Forget it. Forge is a no brainer. So horses for courses, yeah. Any other questions there? Mark says he's got a review on Australian Blade Forums. Guys, get onto Australian Blade Forums. Check out um, – I don't know what Mark says in his review. It could say that it's a piece of shit, but I don't I don't mind just saying that if, if that's the way you feel. <laughs> um, I would have preferred you talk to me first, but that's okay. Um, Australian Blade Forums is um, the great place to go uh, and check, check out some chat and sell stuff without the Facebook bullshit. So just keep that in mind yes. as well. Yes. We should if you're be supporting over, if you're that over forum. That, yeah. Support if that you're forum. Over the... because... Sorry, delays. Sorry. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> yeah. Go. It's, it's not me. It's not me, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say now, so it can't be that good. Just don't do, worry about do, it. Support the ABF forum. Get off some of the standard social media. And look at something that's in a nice 
pleasant format rather than chasing threads all the way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Lee Campbell says he's been considering gas injection for his kiln. So that's when you in, in, inject inert gas into the kiln. I just don't have any personal experience. I think we've sold three, maybe four kilns with gas injection over the years we've been doing kilns. It's not that popular. Um, I believe it works. I've been told it works, but I've never had any firsthand experience from anyone that's um, that's actually done it. Did I see Neville Sharp's name come up before? Nev's got one. I wonder if he's ever used it. So, yeah, Matt asked the same question. One of the guys um, who did a course with me, one of the guys who did a course with me, he said that he got himself a, he had the kill that he fitted a argon, argon gas. Yeah, he, he said he yep. fitted argon gas and he's very happy with it. He, he doesn't make many knives to my knowledge, but at least he was capable of hooking it up by himself and he's using yeah. it. He's happy. It's inert gas and there's, there's, it can be done and, and that I just just haven't seen that many people do it. I think the bottle rental is what kills that, whereas the mm. gas forge, of course, you've already got the gas bottle. Um, Stan Stanley asked when we're going live. So the, all the parts are now in my office, <laughs> except for... <laughs> except for you. <laughs> except for me, except for the solenoid valves, which is special order, and the... Um, uh, and the boxes, we're getting them in a super heavy duty, robust steel box that's a little bit oversized. But to be honest, we looked at a whole bunch of options. And in a, in a forge where you've got potential for sparks, you've got heat, you straight away, you can't use plastic. You want something a bit roomy because if it's getting a bit of radiant heat, you don't want to cook everything inside it. So I went with, I went with a bigger box. They're not cheap. Um, but I just think it's the best thing for the job. And I stand by that. Um, there's heaps of ways I could cut corners and make these things cheaper. And I'm, I'm quite happy to sell you the bits and you can cut those corners yourself. But actually, we've tried a few different things and I'm pretty confident what I've done is better than you can put together from shit. So I'm just going to make that point. I'm very confident, actually. Um, so for, what have we got? Yep. For those, for those yep. who can't weld or put shit together to save their lives, would you... Would you have a version that's like a plug-in and turnkey kind of option? Just take it. Is it is a plug-in and... turnkey option. You just need to find somewhere to mount the valving okay. and you need to find somewhere to mount the box. But if you can get some Dexian or something and bolt it okay. together or some steel and bolt it together, fine. You don't need to weld everything. It's plug and play. If you assemble it yourself, you'll need to solder. You'll need to do all basic wiring. You'll need to read wiring diagrams um, and put all the gas components together. So... Uh, Dan Peterson asked to see a video of it working. Um, Dan Peterson says, uh, you'd like to see a video of it working. Dan, I'm making the first release available to the Bolt Buyers group, which is our sort of um, our sort of test group where we, we do Bolt Buyers, where we buy in, uh, in bulk, do clearance sales, and we do test stuff like this. So this to see if people are interested. Um, rather than going to the whole community. If you want to get involved, just join Gamaco Bolt Buys on Facebook. You'll be able to find it. One of the guys will let you join up and, and away you go. And there's heaps of stuff that comes up on that group. Like every year we do 1084 steel bolt buy. We're doing a 1520 bolt buy. Got fucking tons of that coming. Got two orders worth of 15 and 20 about to land. So uh, not about to land. It's still about four weeks off or so. But when that lands, we'll have the mother load, all different sizes and stuff. So... Stay tuned, really. 
Um, but that's where you'll see a videos of it working. I think there's two, three, maybe three videos of it up there now. Some from Sean McIntyre, Master Smith, some from Keith Flutter, and um, some from my my place. If you're a stock removal knife maker, whether stainless, this is from Cole Barrett. Go, Cole, how you going? Uh, if you're a stock removal knife maker, whether stainless tool steel or carbon steel, I would recommend an electric furnace over a BNT control forge. If you're already using a forge, add a temperature controller to it. Um, whether stainless tool steel or carbon steel, I would remove electric for PID control. If you are already using a forge, add a temperature controller to it. Yeah, it's that's a fair point. Adding a temperature controller to a point to a forge is a good thing. Um, I don't know with the tool steel in the electric kiln. I think the atmosphere protection in the forge is going to be is going to be pretty good. But you know, it'll it'll. Watch and, watch and see what happens out there as people start to use these things and get to learn to fly them. And I'm pretty sure we're going to see a huge take-up on it. Um, so Cole also says that he reckons that, that it's great for the inert gas injection, but uh, the stainless foil is a better option for just like the general run-of-the-mill knife maker. So Raymond says, so I shouldn't have bought a kiln. I should have wait by this. No, not, no, this... Pros and cons, mate. It depends. Are you making carbon steel knives? Are you forging? Um, as Cole said, for stainless steel, stock removal. Um, if you're going to be wrapping in foil, I don't know what the effect of this is going to be without foil, by the way. I don't know. I've not done any stainless heat treating and I've not we've not done any prototyping with that. You may still need to wrap blades in this. I can't I can't say for sure. Um, should do some tests, just haven't had the chance the time. And Matt Snape says he'll put them together for a carton. Good luck, Matt. Yeah, you'll get them back uh, with the fucking big black cock on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the knob he'll want you to twist. <laughs> um, what's the tolerance on the temp control, i.e. plus or minus 10 degrees? Uh, if you set, Stan, if you set, um, set them up right, and it takes a little bit of dick fuckery, a little bit of fucking around to get them set up right, but if you take the time to set it up right, you can get plus or minus three or four degrees um even mm. even less um less at high temperatures the yeah you know so yeah they're pretty good i definitely yep. want one but we'll wait <clears throat> the second release so i don't have to build it and move it so the new workshop in a month yeah no fair enough you don't have to build it it's all going to come assembled on the first release afterwards we'll go from there raymond says he does carbon steel well raymond there will come a time when you want to do stainless and that yeah, I don't think you shouldn't have bought a kiln, but yeah, they're yeah. different. They're just different. I just think the um, they're going to be pretty good. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Really? Yeah. My dream of uh, supplying an approved forge is still a long way off, though. I've been in a standards meeting for three days, pulling my hair out about lots of things. So, yeah. Anyway, never mind. So that's where I'm at. Uh, I think they're pretty. They're going to be pretty good. I'm certainly going to use mine. I did some heat treating of a 1045 hammer. Now, if anybody's heat treated a hammer before, <clears throat> if you go through three normalization cycles on a hammer, it takes about an hour. You've got to get it up to temp. You've got to let it cool down. That takes a while for it to get to a nice even temp. And you forged it, so you should. So with this, I was able to hold the, the temperature in the forge for whatever it was. Let's say it was 850 degrees. I was able to hold the temperature in the forge for an hour without even 
stressing. It wasn't That's a cool. drama, just, just yeah. no problem at all. And so really good, particularly if you're forging. Yeah, good. Mm. Um, I would still be keen for a forge and a forge as I tend only to get the shed for short periods. So working in the forge while heat treating other periods. Yeah, right. So I think he's means a kiln. Oh, yeah, I've, I would still be keen on a kiln. And a forge, as I tend to only be at the shed for short periods, he wants to be able to be be forging and heat treating at the same time. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so the Corey Cunningham says, do, so do you just set it like you do normally heat treat out of a forge, and then the controller just keeps it at temp? Yeah, that's basically right. But it takes a bit of time to learn how to fly it. It's taken it's taken Keith a little bit of time to get the hang of it. Once you get the hang of it. It's easy. Uh, Stan Stanley says, would they be adaptable for a ribbon burner? There's two points to make here. The first is that there's two types of ribbon burner, naturally aspirated and blowing. If it's naturally aspirated, it would be pretty easy to make it work. For a blowing burner, any blowing burner, think about it. We're turning the gas off, but we're not turning the air. We don't actually turn the gas off. We're turning it down, but we're not turning the air down. So what you've got to do is modulate the air at the same time as the gas. It can be done. It's very expensive. So I would say no. Uh, otherwise, all you're doing is blowing more air into the into the kiln, into the forge, and that's going to have a highly cooling effect and make it very unstable. So I wouldn't think it would be great. I think Alex Steele did one, but I, I don't think it went real well. I don't know. Uh And you just set the controller. Yeah, I said that. I answered that one, didn't I? What else we got there, guys? Yep. Does it save on gas? Ah, oh, it's a very good question. We don't know, but <laughs> but we don't. But yeah. you're not running this forge flat out. I I've been taking my forge and instead of just running it at as hot as I can get it, so it gets hot quicker. I've been keeping it at the maximum forging temperature for the steel as per the manufacturer's instructions, which I've never done before. I've never cared, but I've been doing that. And um, it's been pretty good. Um, it's been pretty good, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think because you're not running it that flat out and then the burner's going from a, a larger flame to a smaller flame and regulating the temperature, um, I think that we're going to see small marginal improvement in gas um gas usage. What we did notice straight up, though, was that the temperature in the forge got more even. Because the burners are pulsing, they're coming on and off, uh, not on and off, but on mm. and less on, they, yep. they get this pulsing effect, which is kind of stirring the forge, and it just makes it even more even than I've ever been able to get just by just by normal forge control, where you're just throttling the pressure in the air to get the perfect temperature. So what we're finding is they're actually getting a very even temperature across the, the length of the forge. Um, and, yeah. There we go. Did I answer that question? Uh, so the ribbon burner, yeah, I don't – and people say ribbon burner, burners save on gas. I, I would still contest that, but anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that later if you like. Okay, stainless foil can leave you with a pristine blade. If you, This is Cole Barrett again. Stainless foil can leave you with a pristine blade. If you're doing most of your grinding and finishing before heat treat, it's a great option. If you are grinding your bevels after heat treat, you have nothing to lose with temperature control. Forge. Uh, da, da, da. I would be wanting to exceed a given temperature. I would hate, uh, 
Alex one was a bit of a non-event. Yeah. Yeah, so that, honestly, um, I didn't follow the Alex Steele thing, but I looked at that and knew it wasn't going to work straight away, so I just walked away. I I can, I, I don't even care that much. The way I've done it, it I, I'm happy with. Um, so Mert won't be able to say you can't heat treat stainless in a forge. Mert, he's got you there. No, no, Mike... No, mm -hmm. okay, okay. Yeah. For, for fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. Let, the, fun, fuck let the games begin. My, my comment was taken. Oh, get your fucking ugly toes out. Oh. 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 Uh, fucking do another lockdown. My comment was taken out of context. When I was saying you cannot keep it stainless in the forge, because I was watching some videos of some uh, people who make knives, don't want to call them knife makers. They had gas bottle forge, no coating, and thermocouple in the middle of it, and pushing the blade back and forth. You can tell the tip is cold, middle is fucking, the steel is about to melt and drop, drip. That's what that my comment was based on that. If you have That's a it. PID controlled forge, yeah, yes, you can. Saying that um, I, I heated, I was doing a thermal thermal uh, cycling in my drum forge. It's a gas-based forge, but it's pretty good insulated and all that. You, it's hard to do it in the gas, like 90 kilo gas bottle forge. But if you got a gas bottle designed for heat treating, that's different. But those gas bottle forges, especially small ones, if you're trying to do a kitchen knife, half of the blade is sticking out. That was that was based on that. Yes, and that's a fair call, Mert. Fair call. Now, uh, there's a really good question from um, from, and this goes for all types of forges as well. So we just have a quote: suitable for a brick kiln or a rectangular, e.g., a rectangular chamber. Guys, heat treating in any brick kiln with a rectangular chamber with the burners facing straight down. It's a fucking shit. It's a shit. It's a shit design. Sorry, I'm going to say it. If you, you see it on Forged in Fire and you do it because they do it on Forged in Fire, but it's shit because you think about it. Here we have that bottom of the floor of that forge. We've got a burner that's heating this spot here. It's not heating here and it's not heating here. It's filling this spot here with flame. The minute we put a, a, a blade anywhere in this forge, the part that's close to the burner is going to get hot and it just doesn't work. If you've got the burner pointing to one side, like here, psh, like we do on the round forges, psh, this side here is not getting any direct flame. Yes, this is a hot spot. I like to have a hot spot sometimes, but we'll talk about that later. This part of the forge, so I've got a rectangle here for all those listening. This isn't going to make a whole lot of sense, but you'll get over it. This side of the forge is all reflected heat, and it's in that reflected heat we're going to get very even heat treating temperatures. If you like brick kilns and brick forges, that's great. Build a brick forge, do whatever you like. However, it's going to be very hard to get temperature control in any method except for that pass-through method where you, like they do on forge and fire to try and get the blade even. It's just a shit design. Why make a kiln like that? That's my personal view on the subject. It doesn't have to be round, cylindrical, but you do have to have your, your burner offset to one side so that it, it does move through the forge you get good 
uh, flow of the exhaust gases from the burner around the forge. The more even, the better. Round makes sense. Um, so there you go. And someone, and so it'll any of our burners, it'll it'll one connection undone, connect it to the bottom of the the manifold, mount the manifold. The new connection goes up to the top, which comes with it. That's all you really need to do to get it working. So if you've got a different brand of forge, um, yeah, figure it out. Go from there. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, good on you, Mert. Kev, have you ever used a square bur forge with the burners pointing straight down? No, I haven't, mate. No. You've I've seen, seen, seen that? I've seen a few of the blacksmith style ones where you have the main lengthways door open up and they, they work all right with that, but I haven't seen, I haven't personally operated one, no. No, okay. Have you ever used a square-bodied forge, Mert? No, I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've, I have. They're, they're shocking. And if you watch anybody on YouTube that's got one, when they pull their blades out, you can even see it in the camera that they're hotter along in certain points. As Mert was saying before, you, you'll see it. Um. Someone says, "Can I use a Again, devil's forge?" If you take it, yeah. If you're taking forge and fire as a reference, and you're trying to replicate what you're doing, replicate what they're doing, you're in the full wrong. You, you, you gone so wrong. You fucked up so bad. You got no idea. <laughs> That's putting it nicely. Um. So we've got. Can you use? We should have a whole episode devoted to. I saw it on forged in fire. So it must be true. I just have to watch Forged in Fire so I know what the fuck they saw. <laughs> but anyway, there you go. Um, so, yeah, Devil's Forge. Yeah, you, the guy wants to know if you can use it on a Devil's Forge. It won't connect in. It connects to our system. However, it probably could be modified to connect in. Uh, I don't know enough about your Forge to be able to say. I see no reason why any Forge couldn't be modified to make it work as long as the burner's not pointing directly at the job. Um, yeah, pretty much. I, you know, yeah. Uh, what do we got? Farrier's good. Yeah, Farrier's Forges, says Lee. Exactly right. They're great for heating mm. one spot. And that's pretty much what a Farrier does, mate. All Farrier's Forges are that construction because they get the shoe under there and it's great. I really like having the hot spot on the side because if I'm heating a hammerhead for forging, I push it under the burner and get it hot really quick. But if I'm heat treating, I push it on the other side. Yeah. It's nice to have those options rather than just have a forge that's just not got options. Um, I haven't even run one on a small burner yet, so I'm going to be a bit tentative on that. I need someone with a small burner forge to volunteer. We'll have to sort that out. Um, yeah, I can't see why it wouldn't work. Same deal. I have a control of different – I have a couple of different forges. I have one with downward burner and movable brick sides so I can fit odd-shaped bits in. Doesn't use it for knives. Yeah, Paul, they're great for blacksmithing. You know, as we said, farriers, forges type style, no problem. Uh, I do have a great. We did do an episode on forge bluing, and if you uh, if you listen to that, we do cover everything back then. It was ages ago, back then when we had even worse audio than we do today. I think my Amer most <laughs> Americans do their research with a forge with forged in fire. Some guy normalizing by eye, and each heat gets brighter and brighter. Yeah, that's right. They never show tempering in forged in fire, then blame poor heat and revolt for all kinds of errors. For some failures, it's 
really obvious that there was a stress riser or microfracture, etc. I think 99% of the problems with Forged in Fire are the studio lights, if I'm honest. They've got no temperature oh, yeah. control. They're yep. judging by color, right? And if you put – you go outside and try and heat treat. Take a blade – out of a forge that you know is at 800 or a kiln that you know is 800 degrees and put it in sunlight. And it's not the same color as if you darken your shop. And that's why blacksmiths always worked in a, in a semi-dark shop. Um, I, and was, I, was showing, I was showing the guys on my course that exact thing today with the bright lights in the forge. When they were forging, I said, I just literally said, you know, watch this. That that's, looks cold. It's black. And I just stuck it into the second forge in the shadows and it was probably at the perfect annealing temperature or color for that matter. And they're yeah. like, oh, shit. And then you bring it out the bright lights and go, cold, hot, hot, hot. cold, hot. So it was a good example. And when I do my heat treating, because I do the color method, always have, um, it's turn every turn the lights off, create the same dark room as you always do. Yeah, exactly. Always the same. And, and look for red without shadow. And that when you get to that yeah. red without shadow, that – you can do that by eye, particularly for someone like yourself who's A, been doing it for years and B, using a simple carbon steel like 1084 almost exclusively, which makes yeah. it um, makes it even easier as well. So, yeah, happy days. Uh, I don't think you guys need to do a knife makers reactor forged in fire video. No, I, yeah, fair enough. Oh, he does say, I think, at the end. So it's, it's one or the other. I... I don't, I don't want to watch that. I just don't care that much. But whatever. Um, FIF temper overnight in between the rounds. Yeah. Yes, they do. They do do that. I don't think tempering yeah. is the issue. Like I said, ninety nine percent of the problems that they're having is those fucking studio yeah. lights. I would hate to be in that situation without any temperature control, no thermocouple, judging by color under light. It's 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 yeah. freaking impossible. It's I, not impossible, I, but it, when I was over in America, I talked to one of the guys that was uh, a Fortune Fire champion. Yeah. And he basically said, I'm not going to name who it was, but he basically said the show was pretty much setting you up to fail. Yeah. He said, there's a reason you have all these very good experienced master smiths failing on those shows. And he said, the equipment, the lighting, the steel they give you, that big shelf full of stuff that you go and grab stuff off. He said it's it's dramatized. It's all designed to put tension into the air and make people do things wrong, like the heat treating, like the tempering, like overheating your blade to quench in water, all that sort of stuff. So it's it's an entertainment value thing, and it's good fun to watch every now and then. For me, I, I don't watch it very often. When I do, I hope to get an entertaining episode with some hillbillies, stuff like that. But you know, so take it for what it is. It's it's entertaining. Look, look at look at their testing method, Kev. Look at their testing method. They're making a sword. They're like, I hit this on a fucking <coughs> rock and see what happens. Oh, your sword yeah. fucking failed because yeah. it's rock fucking broken. You're like, how fucking dumb are you? Yeah. Can you tell me any sensible? warrior who will hit bash their fucking sword on a on a piece of rock or an antler and the other day somebody tagged me saying okay this i may go off a tangent but it was forged in fire and they said no no go saladin for sword i'm like okay i know saladin he lived in the 12th oh, sorry 11th century 
they're, they're probably making the straight Arabian uh, straight sword. I'm looking at the sword. It's a, it's a 16th fucking century. It's a 16th century sword. There's no resemblance. And all these lazy cunts had to do was type in where this, when this guy lived and type of the sword that was used. All I did was uh, he lived in the 12th century. I typed 12th century Arabic sword. And when you type it, it comes a straight sword with like a, that looks almost like a European broadsword. But these motherfucker dumb, ignorant motherfuckers, okay, they showed us so that was from the 17th century. Like, no, how fucking dumb you have to be, like, how lazy you have to be, not even type on a Google. Anyway, um, that over. yeah, yeah, well, you know, there you go. Turkish swords, how to piss Murdoch off. So, how's your <laughs> let's get off the subject for a minute. Let's get on to yeah. the subject of dick guards. I haven't seen that guard on anything. Yeah, yet, we haven't so seen your, your bronze What's cock going guard. on? Yeah, what's, what's going, going on? with that? Oh, he's just disappeared. Oh, he's run. He's bailed on <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, nope. Oh. Just while he does that, Dan, Dan, we should be – um, we were always going to release at the beginning of the Sydney show, uh, so we'll be fully in release mode by then but it's just at the moment it's hard to get stuff shipped at the moment and i'm waiting on those boxes so um uh we'll probably have the first 20 or so ready to go which will be going to the first 20 i'm interested on um on the facebook group and then yeah we'll get going we made an awesome tool for the fly press by the way uh, actually we modified a tool for the fly press that punches 45 mil square holes oh yeah, I know, right? With a stripper plate. I, and it was good. It, it's good. Anyway, uh, where, where, where'd Mert go? He's gone to fondle his dick. He's gone to fondle his black knob. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, he's oh, oh, and he's looking cranky too. That's Ooh, his cranky face. What's wrong? Yeah. His internet's gone. Yeah. Just when it was getting interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. So do we do we wait for Mert or do we carry on? This is just getting awkward. This is getting yeah, normal. I know. There's a site. It's called like the Turkish standoff. <laughs> I... Fucking massive delay. Oh, we know. What's the next bolt by it? I actually genuinely don't know. You'll have to ask Tim that if he comes on. He was supposed to come on. What time is uh, Timmy coming on? I don't know. I just I forgot to tell him. But um, hopefully he sees us on Facebook. That's all right. Uh, so Matt Snape got stole Jason's H ton. You eight ton. Jason Ellards. Talking of fly presses, he got slash stole Jason's eight ton unit. Which Jason, Matt? Come on. There's more than I one in the he's world. More about Jason Ellard, maybe. He's got an eight tonner. But he's in Tasmania. Why the fuck would you ship it from Tasmania when no. Jimmy's got every fly press ever made? Yeah, but he doesn't get rid of any, does he? No. And he does have them. <laughs> I rang him today. He's a good guy. Shout out Brett's, to Jimmy. Jimmy, go on, there you go, mate. Um, Brett Selly saying, I told you to buy the 45 millimeter punch. 
Yeah, Brett Brett did. So we we bought some of the tooling and actually got it in New Zealand because it was like a quarter of the price of Australia. I have no idea how that was. And then we modified it. I hardest tested it. Seems to work. And we're just punching away here. So yeah, we modified a, a punch and die set that goes in a hydraulic um, unit and modified it for the fly press. And then obviously it didn't take as much time as if we'd made the die ourselves and I'm really claiming it, but it really works good and I like it. So nice. going, yeah, yeah. 45 mil square hole, bang. Oof. And did Brett did tell me to buy the punch. I think I actually asked Brett to buy the punch and he told me to buy the punch. I think that's actually how it happened, but we won't split hairs. Not um, with a 45 mil punch, you won't. Yeah, no, no. Next bog buy. Uh, fly press needs a bit of restoration. What have we got? I have a fly press. Needs a bit of restoration. Swingy and blockage, six-ish, eight-ish ton. Lovely. I actually want to do a fly press bolt buy, and we've we've sort of started putting together pricing. And had this lockdown not happened, I probably would have finished that. Um, I'm pretty keen to get a um, to get a 12-ton <coughs> fabricated fly press. And um, I found a manufacturer, so I'm going to run a bolt buy to see if anyone else is interested. So maybe that'll be on the um, maybe that'll be on the agenda. Raymond says the next bolt buy should be a surface grinder attachment, uh, or surface grinder, or surface grinder attachment. That's a good question. Surface grinder. Uh, yeah. We probably should have a poll. I'll get Timmy onto it. We're we're just dealing with lockdown at the moment. It's it's like everybody, mate. We're everyone's working from home and yeah. Uh Cole wants some Magna Cut. What's that? Is that some fancy new steel? Magna Cut sheets. Yes. All right. Is that the stuff uh, they use in those clever cut knives? Yeah, I don't know. No, uh, Laren Thomas, the Laren Thomas oh, created with the, that one. with the Crucible Industries. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Timmy's got that on the card, so that's that's probably um, probably going to be something that we do do a bolt buy on. Um, I think the problem was that we couldn't get it. We just weren't. We it was being released in the states first. We just couldn't get it for export. Yeah, I was going to say there was something up about him not shipping it. So. Uh, or it not okay. being shipped. Yeah. So it's getting there. So you, you can buy small pieces of it from the States at the moment, but it's only being shipped to US um, resellers at this time, as I understand it. But, yeah, uh, I we can do it. Um, Matt Snape. Oh, Matt Snape says he got Jason Gwillem's fly press. So there you oh, go. Well, there you go. Yeah. So you didn't at least, at least you didn't get it from Tasmania. Cole Barrett says... Magnet cut is a fancy new steel. Tim is ordering eight tons. Maybe. <laughs> I can only imagine what eight tons would cost. And um, thanks, Cole. Uh, I just shit myself. All right. We, we'll, we'll get... <laughs> a bit of we just came out too. <laughs> Fuck, mate. You should price. Yeah. And the price of freight at the moment, it's gone up like four times. Like four times what we were paying two years ago. Mm. Uh, how's the symposium looking? We haven't talked about that. Kev, you're the prez. I've heard very little about the symposium because I will not be there. So that's, you're that's the prez. Yeah, right. There's no, been no. There's been no. The committee hasn't been communicating about uh, the symposium at this point in time. Nothing. Yeah. Let's let's get let's get to the Sydney National Yeah. No, nothing further than what happened last time. What I could. 
not say overly confident again, given all the lockdowns and stuff. Is Canberra's been COVID free for fucking forever. Um, so if there's a good place to be, it's here. And um, it all depends on your state and territory governments and what fucking bullshit and tyrannical fucking movements they do to keep you fucking locked up in your houses um, and not out seeing your friends and family and having fun doing stuff. Uh, but yeah, in, in a non political anti government sentiment, the committee hasn't spoken about it much more since last time. Um, I removed my name from the list because I'll be teaching a class that weekend. Well, you might not. Where are they coming from? Don't know. It's the fucking joy of being a full time knife maker, relying on income from people coming into state. <laughs> so the bulk guy on the mini forging press, there's work being done on that, Raymond. Watch that space. It's just, yeah, it's just we'd rather buy locally made, to be honest. And there's a couple of people that are interested in making them locally, and I just don't want to shit in their nest. So I'd like to see it get locally made if, if, it, if we could. Um, it's one he found on Facebook Marketplace. I got it, though. Oh, yeah, right. Fair enough. Ah, I see. Jason found it, and then Matt stole it. Got it. Matt, right. Warren Wheeler. And now you know Andrew, Sorry, Andrew Smith just responded on there. Symposium is 60% full. Yep. So if you're looking at joining up the symposium, um, I know it's a hard decision to make at the moment, but you can sign up to it anytime you like and go along and enjoy something that's a really good event. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I'm just reading the same yeah, thing. A little bit of I'm a quiet moment comments. while we read comments. <laughs> comments. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. So uh, there's quite a few there on the Magna Cut. Cole says it's only going to be near on half a million dollars. What's my problem? Raymond Davies, me to. Um, well, what was it? That was the idea, Brett. But how it's here. Hey, well, there you go. There's a bunch of comments there. If you follow along live, you can check it out. I, I, I would like to see the symposium go ahead. I will be there if it does, and I can. However, yep. in this in this day and age, the reality is we're just going to have to roll with it and suck it up, Princess. But the fact is, if it's in Canberra, it's likely to run whether I go or not. So, sadly, I would be upset to miss my first symposium. The second symposium. It'll be the second one I've missed. The first one I missed was the first one ever held. Which yeah, was, I'll, uh, I'll be there hopefully. Time ago. Yeah. Are you in lockdown in the Hunter, Mert? Are you guys considered Sydney? No. Uh, not not lockdown per se, but you have to have masks on every time, every place you go. And we never had a case in Hunter. If we did, like last case, that was like a six months or something ago. I don't fucking get it. What I don't get is how a country like ours can be the worst performer in, in fucking in in everything inoculating our fucking immunization. Why the, why the fuck can't we? No, why can't we do a, a no shit? Exactly vaccination. Why the fuck can't we develop a produce oh. a vaccine in this damn country? We are so fucked up, and here we are Look. buying the blood clot vaccine. You know, oh, nobody wants to take it. What a fucking surprise! Oh, oh yeah, we'll just throw the Look, dice. I, I, I know that Australia. Oh. The, the population is small, Corin. I get it like that. You might not be able to create it, create the vaccine. 
10 years. But with Australia having a strong economy, you expect Australia to be not the last among the OECD countries in terms of the vaccine. So Australia is dead last in terms of like the, the, the countries that they're able to provide vaccines to their citizens. Look, I, I live in a remote, I live in what they consider as a remote area. I'm, I'm not in a big city. I'm not in dire need of vaccine. But when I talk to my friends, like even if you're making fun of the guys and our friends in US, pretty much all of them are vaccinated. I make fun of my friends in Turkey. They're all fucking vaccinated. Look, it comes down to what they bro. In the old days, and the world's changed, right? But in the old days, they wanted the country to be able to sustain itself and have the necessary industries required for medicine, for defence, for our public safety, so that we could look after ourselves. The world's become a lot more global, and I see that you know we've 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 stopped the government subsidies for those core industries. Lee says um, we are companies ready to make the vaccine, but the government chose the cheaper option. <laughs> Love buying the cheaper option. Um, Robert Fraser said that they started to do the vaccines in Queensland, but unfortunately it didn't work out. You have a mask, Mert, the way you drooled all over the dick guard. Yes. And Matt Snape says, again, Mert, if you're wearing a mask, it saves you having to use your paper bag. And that's a fair call for you, Mert. Fuck you, Matt. Yeah, fuck you, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. So... I, I don't know about all this hype and the bullshit, but I do know everywhere else in the world seems to be able to get a jab and be right and business is normal and we're still fucking about in la-la land. I, I went to book in for a vaccine. I thought, you know, I'll do the right thing. I'll get vaccinated. Um, so I went to book in. Someone's made a comment about kids at private schools and stuff, which is I, – I don't even know the story behind that, but I can't get they one. Accidentally, they accidentally vaccinated the – a bunch of kids, 160-something kids at a school that they weren't supposed to vaccinate, and they did it without permission or authority from their parents. And whoever that fucking cocksucker is in the fucking New South Wales government was asked by one of the media about that incident, and in the end he basically said, we've, we've done a million vaccinations, so what? And it's like, so what, motherfucker? You weren't approved to give this vaccination that's, you know, apparently just dis disrupting young people's heart muscles. But, yeah, so what? And he done, made a Freudian slip about we've made a million dollars. Oh, I mean, we've had a million vaccines. Yeah, more like a million dollars, you motherfucker. Yeah. So. Well, anyway, we've, um, uh, my wife's a frontline worker. She works in disabled and healthcare and, um, and, uh, and aged care. She can't get a vaccine till the end of the fucking year. Yeah. How fucking retarded. So I'm I'm with the drunken alcoholic, I've got to be honest with you. Aaron the Finn's in the, the same The statistics are, are there basically saying I'd rather take my chances with COVID than my chances with something fucking Pfizer or AstraZeneca or Johnson Johnson or Moderna produced because they're all fucking criminal organisations that have lied in the past, been fined billions of dollars and everyone keeps forgetting that. They're fucking, they're just there to get the fucking money. They don't give a fuck about you. Yeah, but you and I and you are can, in that. Yeah, look at that, look at that you man lady. Look at that man lady in the New South Wales government, their health officer, and, and she was at something the other day, and she's like, but we must reiterate, 
getting the vaccine will will not stop you from getting or transmitting COVID. You're going to get cancelled. Yeah, well, why the fuck would you get this undetermined, unknown, wrapped up, only available because we're in a fucking state of emergency, which is bullshit based on statistics. Why would you line up and get this fucking thing, which is still, and anyone can fucking argue, but it's still in the testing stages. So, so we're just going to go stats. out there. Yeah, so we're just going to Everyone laughs, every, no, but everyone laughs about it. Everyone still sticks their fucking masks on, and then says, "Oh, the more people that get vaccinated, this sooner this shit fucking boils down." It's absolute fucking crock of shit. Because people so, that are vaccinated are getting the COVID, and and or getting still on lockdown. You're vaccinated. You, you're not exempt from lockdowns. Fuck that. If I was fully vaccinated, I could fucking suck my fat one. But I'm not going to because I want to wait till 2023 when the trials are over and then wait five years to see what the long-term, mid-long-term data produces and then look at it from there. But history, history lesson, in the SARS episode, I think in 2003 or something in the US, 25 people died as a result of the vaccines and they pulled it. 25 people. And in so, Australia, we've had 300 deaths post-vaccine. So I'm going to say, categorically, I do not know the stats and I've not done my own research, but I suggest everyone do their own research. There's um, some couple of comments But what you've got to do, if you're going to do your research, you've got to go into places like Telegram or search on DuckDuckGo that don't have the fucking censorship filters because it's a very much a one-sided story and the only side of the story that's not getting censored is the fucking stupid fucking carpenters and pissy fucking so-called celebrities in Australia that are telling you to get the jab for all, for the, you know, so your fucking neighbours are safe. And there is a big lineup, including ex-CEOs from these companies like Pfizer that are saying, do not fucking take these fucking medicines. So I'm going to go. Yeah, out there and say, <laughs> we went on agree. a bit of a rant here. We went on a bit of a rant, but the problem is, but you're going to get fucking cancelled. You're going to get cancelled. There's not enough fucking people standing up and fucking saying this shit. Everyone's abiding by these rules. It's illegal for them to fucking track and trace. It's illegal for them to mandate your fucking masks. And you've got things like the Privacy Act, the Biosecurity Act, and the Anti Discrimination Act that all protect you from all this fucking shit that you are enduring and and going forth with. And it, all it takes is five minutes to fucking look this. Yeah, Matt, we can change it, mate. You can be ignorant to it if you like. But all you've got to do, everyone sits there on their phones like, Ooh, it takes 10 minutes to fucking look shit up and start to fucking realize you've got rights to protect you from this fucking shit that the government's doing to you. And I'm done with it. There you go. I've got people on my side and I've got people against me, but you know what? Stiff shit. Take take your fucking vaccine if you want to. It's your opinion and you're entitled yeah. to it. I'm letting no, you know I, I, these are not the view of the KA, Andrew. This is the view of me. And anyone that wants to take it up with me can take it up with me or fuck off. I don't care. Okay. No, no you've made it clear where you stand. I understand. But see, people like Cole come in and say the black helicopters. Ask the guy when you go down to the to get your jab to give you the list of um, potential side effects and stuff out of it. And I bet you they give you a blank piece of paper because they do not fucking know them. And and um, 
I've experienced that actually. <laughs> so, but not with that vaccine. Um, that yeah. was a long time ago. But um, we, you know, I'm just encouraging people do your own research um, and go with whatever you think is the right thing to do. Well, it's you. a big thing. And you, we might laugh and the guys might laugh about it and say, fuck off, Kev, you fucking tin hat, foil wearing fuckhead. But it's a big thing. We are in lockdown. We, You think back not long ago, not, or actually too long ago, it's 14 days to flatten the curve. 18 months later, they're starting to mandate vaccines for certain work areas, trying to track and trace your every fucking movement and, and make this shit mandatory with vaccine passports to get across the fucking state when our Constitution Act tells us that we are open for free and fucking open movement as an Australian citizen in this country. And the tinfoil hat shit come out from ages ago where people go, this will lead to vaccine passports. Oh, no, it fucking won't. Tin tin hat for fucking idiot. It's coming around, man. Like, you just got to open your eyes, people. Get off, turn the news off and look at Telegram, do searches on DuckDuckGo and look at alternate sources of information because it's out there. There's highly respected, highly regarded professionals that are that are saying countering things to what the general fucking Scotty fucking Cam chippy fucking carpenter wanker from the block says about getting your jab or Carl off the fucking morning show. Who gives a fuck about them? Yes. Okay. I'm done with this conversation. We're moving on. <laughs> Dino Handsaker. I want to buy a Gamaco hollow grind plate for my 2x72. Ideas on how to set up and how to use it, please. The Gamaco Hollow Grind Platen. Uh, so, are you talking about the um, the the radius platens that we do? Is that what you're asking here, or are you talking about that? Must be that. Is that what we're talking about? Hollow Grind, um, thirty six inch, forty eight inch, seventy two inch. Yes, that's what he's after. Uh, I've never used one, but I'm sure that Kev maybe and Definitely Mert. Yeah, Kev? Yeah. Have you used one? Uh, I've got the – well, I used the 48-inch one on my 48-inch radius, is it? Or was that one of them? 36? Something like that. Anyway, I used it on my um, 2x48s for a while, and then I didn't use it because I wasn't doing holograms. I sold actually sold it to John Worthington. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you use a but, radius yeah. platen, Mert? Mert, do you use a radius platen? Look, if I, I, I'm using one, I'm using one every now and then. It's super easy. It's super easy, man. If I can, if I can set it up, if I can set it up, it's gonna sound like Rocky. If I can set it up, <laughs> have you got any tips or tricks? You, I use that you uh, 48 inch one. Right, and did you have any any experience with it? Tips and tricks to help someone starting out set Delay. it up. Delay, it's it's reasonably straightforward to set up, and if you use it as the water cooled with the pump, yep. just make sure that your hoses are running in an area they're not going to get cut by your belts. Yeah, and Cole's just said there, 600 litre um, per hour pond pump, 20 litre bucket of water, and just make sure your hoses aren't going to run where the edge of the belt's going to cut them. That's pretty funny when that happens because then you've got a water cooled fucking um, spray grinder as well. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've never never used one, but um, keep them cool. That's why they've come with the kits. They're sealed. They've got a sealing um, gasket, like a Celastic-style gasket in them. And if you don't run them with cooling, you will screw them. So make sure you always have the cooling running when it's uh, when it's on. Um, and Dino, uh, Pierre says, Dino, do your maths to determine which radius size best suits your needs. I use a 14-inch wheel. Someone wanted to do a bolt buy on contact wheels. We're bringing in the ones from the States, American-made. We couldn't get them made locally anymore. And the ones from China, I just don't want to go there. Um, no. I don't, you know, I just don't want to sell shit things so you can make shit knives. I'm not saying everything from China shit. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But we have had quality inconsistency issues. So yeah, it's got to say it's not yeah. it's not that they're all shit. It's getting the the consistent quality from their goods. Yep, yep. So um, so I just don't want to go there. But there we go. What else are we on to? Let's talk about something. Give us a fucking topic that's got nothing to do with tinfoil hats and. Anything else? <laughs> ah, fucking lockdowns, mate. No, no, Josh, the bananas. And I, you know, again, it's just, um, uh, I do respect people's right to choice in everything. Exactly. Uh, Jay Cross, Jay Cross says, oh, they're all well expensive, though. Yeah, they are expensive, Jay. They're balanced, they work well. <laughs> you know, um, make one. There's got to be a way. I mean, I've heard people casting them and stuff, but the balance is out. I got one made locally in Australia uh, as a sample that made my grinder jump two inches <laughs> every time it's been. Right. I went and got a balanced, still no good. Um, Matt Snape reckons he might have a contact for Aussie made wheels. Matt, give me a yell. Just send me the details. If we send an email, introductory email to us, and we'll, we'll definitely talk um, and we'll get, get that looking into it. I don't mind. I, I don't want to be buying anywhere other than Australia if we can help it. I just think in these times um, we should be supporting everyone we can to keep the money in the economy because I just think it's the best thing we can do for each other, really. Whatever your thoughts are on anything, spending money at home first is Fuck yeah. a good thing to do. Support um, Aussie businesses where you can. That's the thing. Even if you're buying an imported product from an Aussie business, you're still better. Yeah, Does anyone true. know the rule with having the open side of the grinder when running? Oh, just wait. Oh, okay. This is a good question here. Does anyone know the rule? The rule with having the open side of the grinder when running classes. Like, what does WorkSafe say about covering it up? Well, have you guys ever run into anything there? No. I reckon if you put your fingers in behind that contact wheel, you'd probably lose them at the top, pulled down through the thing. That would be a problem. Uh, there's an old saying, don't put your fingers where you wouldn't put your dick, and I'd like to put that yep. sticker on there. Yep. Um, I have fucked up in my life. I got caught in a machine. Oh, so me. Lost lost a good chunk of my thumb. <laughs> and, as, a, and, as as the one and a half thumbs up class becomes in the full, I ended up with a full wrist reconstruction. So my, oh. my only comment is just don't wear gloves with rotating tools. No. Um, not worth it. Uh I, I don't know the rules. We've certainly been gr making grinders like that forever. The, yeah. um, it's just the nature of the beast. Every everyone, like even the radius master, all of them, um, have correct. They've got all go. got open wheels. Yeah. Yeah. Need the specs for a V jaw tongs explained. E.g., V jaw tong eight millimeter, 
by 12 inch, what is the eight millimeter? Well, eight millimeter or five sixteenth is the size of stock you can hold in a V bit tong. A V bit tong is a square tong that comes together as a fuck my can't do a square shape. Oh, there you go. <laughs> like this. And eight millimeter. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Eight millimeter is the size stock it'll hold. So if you've got eight mil round or eight mil square, it'll go into that tong. That's pretty pretty straightforward. That's pretty simply what it means. And it'll hold if it's a V bit, it'll hold round stock or square stock. Um, J cross. And Cole's got a really good point about contact wheels. A contact wheel has a ridiculous amount of energy stored in it, more than enough to kill you and everyone you love. But a contact wheel from a buyer, contact wheel from a reputable manufacturer that's properly balanced. And that's definitely uh, my experience as well. Um, and so we've got here one from the drunken alcoholic is commenting on YouTube. When you guys run classes, do the students need to sign some sort of waiver to acknowledge they are responsible for any injuries? That's a good question, yes. Kev. Yes. No. Do? I don't get them Kev to doesn't. sign waivers because a waiver won't stand up in a court of law when it comes to um, improper use and improper instruction if someone hurts themselves. If, exactly. If it's your negligence, yeah. um, the waiver is absolutely uh, a yeah. pro not, not going to say. You need to be paying attention to what they're doing when, on, when they're on machines that can hurt them or doing stuff where they can be injured, which is 100% of the fucking time from experience. Yeah. Have you ever had any cool injuries in the shop, Kev? From not you, but for others? No, only me. <laughs> <laughs> it's only me when my safety lapses because I'm so stringent when students are in there. And it's only me when I'm doing silly shit that I end up with. I've only had one real good one, and that was the thumb. This is how you grind your thumb. Of... Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> but the rest of it was, um, you know, I've got plenty of scars on my arms, nicks and cuts, but that's just part of working with knives. Um, and as, as Warren Whelan says a couple of posts down, liability insurance. If you are not insured and you are teaching people courses, you are a dickhead. You if you are going house... to a... If you are going oh to a, a course with a knife maker that does not state that they have insurance, you are a dickhead. Yep. Simple. Stat. Yep. Done. No, no. Exactly. It should be, should be, it's got to be mandatory. You've got to see their public liability insurance. And that's, yes. that, that's just it. Yep. Pierre's got a really good little technical question, which is, with modern steels with high toughness above six millimeter wide, with thickness, I guess, yes, thickness, does a tapering the blade really matter? And does putting a bevel on a blade create a taper to some extent? Mm. Come on, Kev. <laughs> We're Real. all reading that. We're I, assuming I it's six what he millimeter means. thick. He's talking about putting a distal taper in a blade, right? So we've got yeah. a six mil thick bit of steel, distal tapering to the tip. First question is, do you really need it if the steel's really good? What's the benefit of the distal taper? But distal this, taper it, is for ease of cutting. It's not about the toughness. Yeah. I was going to say it depends on the knife that you're using and the knife that you and the, and the job you want it for. So that's the first part. And the second part is does um, beveling the blade create a taper to some extent? I, I reckon and this is towards, a, this towards, is a gold mine of fucking discussion. The, this one we could talk this, about this all night. Towards the tip. 
you will get a small taper in your your bevel. bevel. If if the grind goes up to the top of your knife, you will get a small taper in there. Yeah. Yeah, like Corin's just showing on the screen, but we can't see uh, you can't see if you're listening to this elsewhere but on audio. Yes, you will get a you will get a um a taper in there naturally, but it's generally pretty small at the tip, however wide your bevels are. Bit small at uh, the tip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what she yeah. said. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Yeah, but that I mean that's it. Like uh, yeah, you it like Matt was saying, it depends on the knife. Kitchen knives, yeah, you want a savage distal taper on those suckers. And if you start at six mil at the, the Ricasso, you're probably going to have a massive, massive distal taper down to the tip. Yeah. Like crazy big distal taper down to the tip. So it all depends on the knife and its use. So let's anything, talk about the first problem that has here. penetration. If the knife is going to have some penetration, you won't have a thin tip. Okay. So, so look, the, the biggest thing here is with modern steels with high toughness above six millimeter width. If you're already above six millimeter th in thickness, what sort of fucking cutting are you going to do? This knife is yeah. not a slicing knife. It's not going to slice. Well, if it's for a fucking chopper, no, you it's don't a need chopper. a distal taper. You're sure you're doing, if do you're doing like, like a competition chopper, you don't need a distal taper. If you're doing a knife where you need the tip to get into things, you probably want a fucking small amount of distal taper. And if you're going to slice stuff with it, you probably want a fucking large distal taper and start with smaller stock. <laughs> Pierre, exactly. you've just thrown a spanner in the works, mate. Fuck off. Go away. <laughs> so, that you know, if a distal taper would probably help on a six-millimeter thick blade to give you somewhere on the blade where you can actually cut something. So I would I would consider it like six-millimeter, taper it down. You can slice with the tip. And why you – I'm not a fan of big knives. It's not my thing. No. There's guys out there that that's that what they do. It's not me. Great question. Glad you asked. Move on. And Cole says six millimeters pretty thin. And I was talking about Cole when I said that's what those people do. That was Cole. Yeah. So Cole makes a beautiful thick I knife. Think, I think we all I, pictured Cole. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, Corey Cunningham says, can someone explain why people aren't pushing 52-100 more? I only just started using it over 1084. After I use my 1084, I don't think I'll use anything but 52-100. Well, i, I got to say 52-100 is my... One of my favourite carbon steels from Monosteel. I love it. It's, it's a yeah, beautiful, beautiful steel. steel. There are some issues with heat treating it if you don't have um, yes. some knowledge. And that if, depending on how it's been annealed, ferritized, annealed, the carbides can be um, built up in it. Uh, and if you have that condition, then you need to you need to bring yes. it up a, a, a pretty hot uh, and let it soak and then bring it back again. There's good instructions yeah. online. Kevin the, Cashin probably the heat the treat process. The, the heat treat process is pretty complex and the, I think a lot of people underestimate they make a knife out of it and this is not pointing at Corey but a lot of people make a knife out of it give it a basic heat treat oh that's fantastic it's great steel but you got to look at what's required even 1095 over 1084 is a significant change in the heat treating process so but it's a fantastic steel and you're right um why aren't we pushing it more because there's more glamorously named steels out there now and all these crucible steels are coming into play and taking people's eye. And 52100 is just a boring name that people don't get excited about. Yeah. Marketing. Yeah. And, and 5200 is really nice. So, um, uh, 
There's a guy it's out there that has a website. carbon steel. Mm. It's a beautiful steel, and it yeah. is lovely. Yeah. Yeah, I've got I've got a bunch of I bought a bunch of that stuff that you guys had. Um, I think you had it shear cut or something, and wasn't yeah, good for the stock it was removers. all a bit warped, but it was yeah, good it wasn't good for the stock removers, yeah. but it was perfect for the forges. So I, I think I'm about to run out of it, but yeah, I love that stuff too. Stan Stanley's asking, who is the guy that makes 25 millimeter thick <laughs> titanium lives? That's <laughs> Tom Binkett. DV Blades. He's a legend. DV Blades. Yeah, those things are Dom. stupid, but yeah, they still cut. <laughs> and yeah, your heat, your heat treat. It, Kyle's going about heat treat of the 5200, which is yeah. I've I've been heat treating 5200 for years. Never had any trouble with it at all. I regularly get 62 easily after tempering, and it's yeah. just a great steel. But it's not a pry bar steel either, so. Keep that in mind. And I like Cole's comment down the bottom that 52100 and W2 are the best carbon steels for performance because my favourite carbon steel is W2. I love that stuff. I think that's that's beautiful steel to work with. Yeah, I will, add, the, I will add another steel to that. I will add the 26C3. Yeah, 26C3. Yeah. Yes, you love the spicy white. Yeah. I don't know. We probably still have that. I don't know. I'd have to get Timmy, who's probably in bed by now, sleeping, to tell me. Yeah, what's we won't get Timmy on board. We'll, anyway, we might even we might even start yeah. winding it up pretty soon. Yeah, and we've been going on for one. We hour, wound you up minutes. before already. Yeah, what's a bit of a fucking record lately? Mm. <clears throat> I think we'll have to start doing a pub. I'm going to have to take up drinking if we're in lockdown again. So <laughs> that could get like dangerous, man. <laughs> I'm only man. having one red. I'm only having one red wine because I've got to get up at five thirty. Ten, a- 10 years from now, I'm releasing the unedited aftercuts from the from the original oh, shit, Pub no. cast. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whatever happens in only- the podcast stays in the podcast. <laughs> I was saying to my old teacher that I've got in the class this last couple of days or next couple of days, I was talking to him about the podcast and I said the early days got very messy. We quite often wake up on Friday with a massive hangover. You woke no, up. You woke up on Friday. No I memory. Of, no memory of what happened between, well, from about eight o'clock the night before. <laughs> it's like a oh. couple of late yeah. night calls to Henning. <laughs> it was. Yeah. <laughs> I had a phone. I had a conversation. I had a conversation with Blade, Blade Magazine. I was pissed off me nut, and they contacted me about that article they were putting in. And they wanted some pictures. And I said, I'm so fucking drunk. I can't fucking talk. He said, I've spoken to spoken to people my you know all through my career that I always thought were drunk, but no one's ever admitted it. And I was <laughs> so all right. So yeah, we got through it in the end. 26C3 without performing anything else with sharpness. W2 251 a bit tougher. There we go. Um I just, I just bundle it all into the steel wank and hype thing. But anyway, I've chopped Kransky with titanium from Dominic Binkett. Yes. Yes, you have. That was pretty funny. Um, and Raymond Davies, let's finish this up. Last question. Raymond Davies, you can have it. Matt, you've got this one. It's all yours, brother. What's a good stainless for a kitchen knife to use if you have never worked with stainless? So... First of all, the question is, are you going to heat feed by yourself or are you going to send it off-site? No, he's got a kill, so, so he's going to heat it himself. Yep. Okay, uh, 14 and 28. 14C. 14C, 
Foreign C28, uh, from all the report, reports I heard, is a good steel. And like you can you can get a Dama steel too, but even RWL34, which is similar steel, is so much expensive compared to that. And I, I will say that like, go something like 14C28. And yeah, there was a fair. hype about Nitro V, but you know, if you want to go with AEBL or 14C28, I think those are good stainless steels. They don't have, they might not have the hype, but they're very good performing uh, kitchen knife steels from what I, what I experienced uh, I, with AEBL. AEBL and, and Nitro V are basically the same anyway, mate. And it, it is, it is. AEBL is boiler order home, or which changed their name, but. Nitro V is equivalent with a little bit of nitrogen. Uh, it's made by the American company, but yeah, I never used Nitro V. I used AEBL. Nitro V is made by Polo as well, but let's not get carried away. <laughs> I know for a fact where it's made and what mill it comes out of. But yeah. anyway, I'm not gonna not gonna worry about it too much. <laughs> yeah. And as Pierre says, 12 C27 as well is pretty good. John uh, and um, Scott were talking on the last podcast about how they like the 14C28. So you know, yeah. they're, John in particular, taste. very good maker, so you could probably trust what he says about uh, that steel. So, And any of those steels, just go with which one you can get. It's, I wouldn't, uh, like Mert, I'm going to go with, don't go with any of the... Um, don't go with any of the fucking powder metallurgy till you've heat treated a few blades. Just simple as that. Yeah. Right? And 440 series. Matt Snape says 440. Yeah. Go for it, Corn. Um, yeah, I was just saying Matt Snape says that the 440 series, um, 440C particularly, uh, is a great steel as well. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm out, guys. Yep. Um, Boom. See you on the Corey other side. Corey Cole has a question for, for Cole, and you guys can talk about it offline, and it's the heat treat for railway spikes. See you later, brothers. Oh. Enjoy. Right, everyone. <laughs> Boom. See you later. Boom. See you later. <laughs>